The world of theater is full of stars. But just like in the night sky, sometimes we don't see them all. Some are in the wings, some are maybe up over us in the catwalk. Hopefully they're not under the stage, but um, you never know. In this series, we are going to meet those hidden stars of the theater, hear their stories, and be inspired by them. So join me on this journey here in my state-of-the-art production studio in my backyard as we meet the hidden stars of theater. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Hidden Stars of Theater. It is your host, Jamie Davis. Welcome to my camper. It is always great to have you here. Um, and we're going to meet somebody new today that uh, is going to represent a, a discipline in theater that we haven't spoken to yet. We haven't divin, delved, dove, jumped into this, uh, this position. And that is Shay Candelaria. And Shay is originally from Texas. Um, she's going to tell us more about that. Uh, my my uh, neighbor, wow, to the south here, and um, not anymore. She's far away now, but uh, we're going to learn all about the world of stage managing and what that looks like, and hear her journey to uh, from from where she was in in high school all the way through to where she is now. And I won't spoil that for her because it's some pretty exciting stuff she's doing now. Uh, but it is great to have her here, and as always, great to have you here in my camper, meeting great people and learning all kinds of information. So today we're going to jump straight to it. And Shay, welcome to my camper here at the Hidden Stars of Theater. You are our star for today. So welcome. It's good to have you. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here to well, share my story and be the star. Cool. Yeah, and you are a star. And I tell you what, by the time this is over, everybody's going to agree with me because um, it's just amazing uh, what I've already gotten to get to know you a little bit here and, and looking forward to learning some more. Um, but as always, you know, we want to get right to it because we've got a lot to cover and I don't want to have a don't have a lot of time. Um, and so we want to jump right in from at, where do we start, everybody? Uh, the very beginning. Right. Let's start from the very beginning. I've heard. And it is the place where you begin to fall in love with theater. That's kind of where we define as the beginning. What are the things that shaped you into the Shay that is before us today? Yeah. And so I'm just going to turn uh, the stage over to you, ma'am. It is yours to call the cues as our stage manager. And really, you should be the one doing that. Shouldn't you? Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, you should have called five, and I would have said thank you, five. But that's okay. I'm so. Do that. But I can do this. Life story, go. Okay, I'll go. <laughs> hey, that felt cool. Now it's like official. That's cool. All right, ma'am. Um, all right, cool. Well, it all started when I was in high school, my love of theater and how I got to where I am today. And it all started from a basketball injury, actually. So I played JV basketball. I was a sophomore in high school and we were running some drills and I hurt myself. And I took out, blew out my knee and it was really painful and terrible and it stopped me from playing for the rest of the season and it was quite early in the year so they had me pick another elective because i guess at my school they were also electives or something to do and they encouraged me to do something new to fill the time slot instead of having to just sit and watch the other girls practice so i chose theater and it was it wasn't really a choice more of such um i ended up there because I wanted to audition for a play. So what I actually chose was, okay, I'll audition for this play. And it seemed really neat. It was called Sweet Nothings in My Ear. 
It's about a family going through a divorce and a custody battle, and the mother is deaf and the father can hear, and he wants their child, who is also deaf, to have a cochlear implant, and the mother doesn't. It's very heartwarming and heart-wrenching, and you don't know what it is, and look it up. It's pretty neat. Um, yeah. And then how the doctors sign, and the others don't, and I wanted to learn sign language and be in it, and it just felt like a cool, multi-layered way to join theater. And I yeah. always – I kind of knew what theater was or – stage plays were I suppose I was in a few things as a kindergartner a little kid and I kind of remember being on the stage but your Christmas pageants and such but it was my first real audition and first real foray into what it is and I didn't get it but they said we need an assistant stage manager do you want to do that and I said what is that <laughs> and they said sure okay I'll learn what that is and why and, not? Uh, something to do, and, right? Yeah, it was something to do, something to be a part of. Um, and I really love being a part of a team. And I think a lot of people can relate to being a part of a team and a community. And whether you find it really early or young, but I happen to find it in high school. So I think a lot of people find it in high school, <laughs> actually. Yeah. Um, most people, anyway. So that first semester, sophomore year, I was stage assistant stage managing a play and learning what that meant. And then the next semester, I really liked it. So I was the the other, the big stage manager, if you will. I, we weren't calling them production stage managers in high school, but um, I wasn't the assistant on the next show, which was a musical called Into the Woods. And then I love that musical. I, I loved it too. It's <laughs> my heart. I want to do it again as a professional. Um, I would love to do it as a professional. Oh, no. I did. I uh, played the baker in that show once. That I was one of my baker. one of my favorite roles. Just love Great that. Show. So uh, that was the next show and junior year rolled along and senior year and I kept on stage managing and I asked if I could act a little and they, because I felt like I wasn't getting I just put into stage management roles because I was pretty good at it, I guess. And I just loved what it brought to me. I was trying to find some joy and that gave me joy. I was able to help control a project and help bring people in and I was using my organized mind. I... I just learned that calling people OCD who are organized is actually not cool because it's a, like a really bad disease, actually. Like, true OCD is really terrible. If you don't watch videos of people who, there's this girl on TikTok, anyway, blah, blah, blah. I don't uh, like OCD anymore because it's not real OCD, but you know, I'm a little anal retentive and like things just so. And I was finding this outlet to be myself in stage management. So I just kept, kept on rolling. And in the senior year, um, so, so let's stop you for a second. Do you, um, do you think when you are in it, so those traits that you talked about, you, you obviously liked organization, you liked a little bit of maybe a little bit of power that you were feeling there, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe a little bit of that. Did you recognize at the time that, hey, this is me? Uh, or do you think it just kind of happened and maybe now in retrospect, you look back and you think, wow, those were really things that I was. No wonder mm -hmm. I liked it. Yeah, I, I think I did recognize it because I was... I believe, even looking back, but I think I had a handle on it back then that I was filling a hole in my life that I wasn't getting from my home life. I kind of lived in a chaotic home and um, a divorced home, but then back with my dad who was remarried and they had a new baby and she had children and I kind of was all of a sudden the oldest of five. And then when I was just me and my sister before and then my mom kind of left the picture and I just felt a little directionless and I didn't have a whole lot of structure when you think you would have structure in a home with that many people and two parents. But sometimes it doesn't actually happen that way. And 
I would go to the my theater classes and I'd get that from my theater teachers and I'd get that from my projects and my assignments. And I was finding a little solace in this place where um, I wasn't getting it at home. Um, and then they were, it was a very hard thing to understand to, to that my super Texan family who are all about sports and, and a little NASCAR go, about go Cowboys. And, and <laughs> all uh, go Cowboys fever and everything. But uh, going to a theater play wasn't necessarily anything. I, I've never been to a show prior to that. I wasn't taken to a dance show or ballet or Christmas pageant. I wasn't taken to theater as a kid. I didn't know what the Tonys were until I was a junior in high school. So I didn't know what Broadway was until I was 16 years old. So there was a, so it was a whole new world for you. Yeah, it was a brand new world. And then the, I, w I say this lovingly, but like the theater geek girls, when Wicked came out in 2005, I was a senior. They were going nuts and singing it. And it's like, what's happening? What is this? And <laughs> why are they singing this song? And what what's the Gershwin Theater? I didn't know anything about Broadway at all. And I didn't know it could be a career. And then my theater teachers opened that door for me. And um, they helped me step through it and taught me some things I wasn't maybe getting at home other than, you know, being true to yourself. And I was getting some other values at home, but. I got my, who I am and what I wanted to do for my theater teachers. And they helped me all, all the way through to the end of my college days because my high school theater teacher made a call, which got me into college because I didn't know where to go to college. I didn't know I could do this as a career. And she said, of course you can, let's hook you up. And she helped me apply. I got scholarships and I got loans. And next thing I know, I landed myself at Abilene Christian University in Abilene, Texas. It was awesome. The program's only 50 students out of the whole of the four grades. So my class was 15 people. And um, I had missed the interview dates by the time I realized I wanted to go there. But my like I said, my teacher was an alumna of that school and she made a call, said she's a tech student. She wants to stage manage and design. Is there space for her? And they graciously took me in. I interviewed at the semester break and was officially a major in that program by that by that spring semester, my freshman year. That's it, awesome. Yeah. It was wonderful to have someone guide me through and to just kind of blindly follow them and just be told what to do. There's something really freeing in that. Oh and, yeah, absolutely. Especially if you're in a situation in life that you feel like um, is just kind of chaotic and, and always changing and moving to yeah. have to be grounded in that. So theater and your theater teacher really, um, I mean, really helped not just give you a thing to do, but almost a purpose yeah. in, in direction in life. Yeah. I, I would not be here where I am today if it wasn't for my theater teacher, Julie Dempsey and Carrie Fisher. Um, they taught me everything I needed to know to get into college and to, to make a name for myself in college. And then my college professors taught me everything I needed to know to, to take it into the real world. They taught me a lot of what I needed to know. They didn't teach me everything. There's something to be said about the real world, which we'll get, but get to. But um, you yeah. wouldn't have gotten to the real world that you did without them, though. Yeah, that's that's huge. And, and one thing, uh, which high school did I? Don't think we heard that. Oh, I went to North Mesquite High School in in Mesquite, Texas. Very good. Yeah, we want to give them props for uh, and just being awesome. Good job, Carrie and Julie. Great job. Props to you. Yeah. And, you know, one day I was teacher appreciation day and I was thinking about my life and I thought, I'm, I'm going to write Julia a note. And I just sent her basically everything I just said to you about you changed my life and I just needed you to know that. And I love you because, you know, we're Facebook friends and it was 
you know, all my teachers are my Facebook friends now. And I, I, that. You know, it's pretty funny. Yep. So I just that's felt awesome. like I needed to tell her that. So I did. Um, and I feel good letting her well, know that. That's great. Good for you. And, and if you're a listener and you haven't done that yet, there's a teacher. Yeah, take the time to do it. Take the time yeah. to do it. That's huge. For sure. Five minutes. And I, I hope I made her day that day anyway. I'm sure that you did. You probably <laughs> made more than her day. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so we're, so I'm at college and um, I was in college from 2005 to 2009. And uh, while I was there, I learned some skills. I learned all the tech things I needed to do. I took intro to lighting, intro to sound, intro to tech itself, directing, acting. But I was still focused on stage management. Um, I got there's two sides of the coin to my college because it wasn't really made. The program wasn't made to filter stage management through. However, because there were so many, so few tech students, I got a lot of one-on-one -on -one attention and hands-on training from the, from the tech director and the assistant TD and the people there who are designing the shows where all the musical theater students are auditioning and acting and have 10 other people to compete is a heavy word, but to compete with for roles and yeah. have, have the same vocal teacher. That's 10 to one where I got a one-on-one -on -one education and it that's something to be said for a program that's not necessarily a tech school or a tech program or an SM program. Um, though, if you are know that you want to be a stage manager or a designer, finding a school with those, um, oh gosh, the word just left me, those paths specifically might be better. But for me, I just recollect that I had, reflect that I had these awesome experiences that maybe not all of my student companions had because there were so many of them and I had only one other friend and he and I just cruised on and got all these awesome lessons and they, we got what we needed from our teachers. So that I, I really loved that about my program being so small. And I basically, if I wanted to try sound, I could try sound. I, I was the A2 on AIDA in college. And I can always say that I did that. And I, I kind of know in the back of my brain when I do other shows, like what that entails and, I was the set designer for my senior for the senior spring musical instead of stage managing it. So oh, it wow. was amazing to have the opportunities I had at, at school. And when I was a junior, I went to Southeastern Theater Conference, SETC. SETC. We talk a lot about SETC. Yeah. A lot. Almost everybody's made great connections. They're getting started. Yeah, that's how I got started. Junior year, I got my first summer stock job and I was so stoked. It was my first professional job outside of school. It was in North Carolina. It was the best. I was making $300 a week and I thought I was on cloud nine. I was the assistant, <laughs> the assistant props designer or like maker. And we did five shows. It was the best, one of the best summers I ever had. And then I went back, did my senior year. And then SETC for my senior year launched me out of school and into the real world. And I took a little tiny part of the real world and actually went to cruise ships. There you go. I got hired for June for six months, starting in June, right after I graduated in 2009 to be an entertainment technician on Carnival Cruise Lines. And I thought this is perfect because I don't want to move back home. I have no money and I need to get a job that houses me, feeds me, and, and it takes me all over the world. So I, I thought I hit the jackpot again. And at 21, 22, I think I was when I graduated, it was it was perfect. It was a new skill. They liked what I had learned in college and thought it was enough to bring me on board. It's a really intense thing because there's about four or five shows on a ship and you train for a whole month. That's why contracts are so long. And I'm just grinning from ear to ear. I just graduated. I have an awesome job and I'm just going to 
jump in with two feet and save all the money I can and think about what I want after that. Cause I really wasn't sure what I wanted. Do it. I, do I go straight to New York? That's scary. I don't have any money saved. And like my professors were telling us how much money you need to go there, which is a lot. And I just thought, you know, I'm going to give it my all and see what SCTC can provide. And they gave me Carnival Cruise Lines and I'm really grateful for that. Yeah, that's really good. And that's a, you know, you made a good point. A, a lot of times people um, feel like or, or students feel like when they're graduating, I've got to make a decision now what the rest of my life is going to be. And that's really not the case, um, you know, especially because if you're if you're if you're still single at that point, then it's the time to to do the adventure. Right. And and things like the cruise lines give a great opportunity to do that and to begin networking and and. Yeah. So that's really cool because we haven't talked yet on any of our episodes about the cruise line industry mm -hmm. and the entertainment there. And one of the things, um, Shay, that I think I'm glad you brought it up because even myself, um, I have a brother who uh, was a, a singer and dancer on uh, for Carnival for oh. years and years. And uh, I had never thought about the tech aspect, which is really bad because I'm a techie, right? I, I do tech. Um, but all you ever hear about is performers getting a job. So we'd love to hear, I'd love to hear a little bit more about kind of yeah. what the opportunities are there if you're not a performer, but still have the ability to go in there and do theater. Oh my gosh. I, I think it's a great transition. One, it's a great transition into the real world. I, keep, I can hear myself not saying that very well. Real world. A There's thing. a lot of people who uh, stumble over those words when they get to that point in their life. Yeah. <laughs> the real world is hard. The real world is hard. Dude. I can't even say it. Great transition. And you learn so much because you're in this canned ship, canned tuna ship. And you, there's amazing technology and they want to teach it to you. And um, for my my ship specifically, this was 10 years, 10 years ago. Everybody, this was 10 years ago. So we, um, there were four technicians. I was the deck stage technician, which if you don't know what that means, it literally means floor. A deck, like in your auditorium where your set is, the flooring is called the deck. Sometimes you act on the plain floor or sometimes you raise it up on platforms and that's the deck. So run the deck means running the stage on, on its feet. So if that's just in case you didn't know what that meant, but there's a deck technician there was an audio technician, a lighting technician, and um, a back lounge technician. So if anybody knows what a back boy is or back line, he or she is in charge of all the little lounges. If you've ever taken a cruise ship, there's many lounges, there's many spaces, there's six or seven bands, or nowadays maybe not, but back then there was a calypso band, a piano man, a jazz quartet, all sorts of things. And that back lounge technician would just make sure that at each lounge their setup was all set up that was silly. Their equipment was all set up that they could play, that they were all ready to go live for the, for the guests and the patrons that were walking around the ship. Um, and then one of those people is like the lead who would send reports weekly or daily. I don't even know because I wasn't the lead technician and didn't have that responsibility. My responsibility was running the shows and, and keeping the dancers safe. There's about 15 dancers and two to four singers in a show and they're big review shows. Nowadays, like Norwegian and Royal Caribbean, they have licensings to do hair and uh, hair, oh, not hair, hairspray, kinky boots, and big musicals are going to ships now. 
Oh, wow. I didn't know that. That's great. Yeah. When I was doing it 10 years ago, they weren't licensing musicals that way. And they weren't putting on shows like that. They were just reviews of jazz standards. I did a show that was big, easy themed Louisiana songs, little voodoo and, um, yeah, more jazz, a lot of jazz, actually, <laughs> now that I think about it. Sometimes we have a show what the guests can be, and you just maintain these shows and you maintain the equipment on the on the ship. So for me, I would check in with the props. If anything broke, I would help fix it or ask a carpenter because there's so many other positions on the ship where they would fix it. The lighting technician would once a week or maybe twice a week, he would have to clean all the instruments or pick a section of the grid, clean that section of instruments next we clean the next and there's a lot of maintenance on a ship it's a lot of making sure our equipment stays clean because we're in the middle of the ocean and it's hard to get new stuff and salt water is tough on everything yeah it's really tough oh my gosh the rust on some of the monitors and speakers outside are it's bananas but it a lot of the times it was clean the equipment run the show and then if we're in port and we are docked in cabo san lucas we got the whole day off in cabo san lucas because if we're docked in a city, there's no show because all the patrons right. are off. So uh, we got as much time off as the patrons did cruising. And if we're at sea and the crew, we would put on a show for the people. And it, during the day, we would mostly have our days free if it wasn't a cleaning day. And it it's amazing because you can learn so much too. Even I learned the equipment because they would put me to work too since I didn't have something to really clean, but the whole team would work on the lights and the lighting technician would kind of take the lead on how to take apart this ETC light or how to redo the gels or to help. And then the audio guy would do the same thing. Like we'll all blow out speakers together and clean the dust. So we kind of are as a team, we do like three hours of work and then we have the rest of the day off if we did not, or we would have the whole day off and do a show that night for 45 minutes. So it was easy work, a lot to learn, a lot of awesome technology that I wasn't exposed to because I was only 20 and out of school. So it, the door was great and the money was really decent because I didn't pay rent. I didn't, my school loans hadn't kicked in yet because that, that takes about six months before they kick in. Uh, at least back then it did. I don't know. Now it might kick in sooner or later. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, and I didn't pay rent. I didn't pay for my food. I I wore a uniform, so I didn't care about my clothing. There was nowhere to shop. And if I did go outside, it was to be on the beach. It was it, it was great. I did it for 18 months. So what you're saying is you weren't yet in the real world. I was not yet in the real world. <laughs> Sounds wonderful. I kind of like to do some of that now. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. But so what would you say are maybe the top two or three? Are there some some things just some that were just good that you came out of there not knowing before that that set you up well for the future um, um anything like that yeah i know exactly what to say here is working with the team so yeah. I, um that was our team i i had no choice they had no choice with me uh, we could be sour or salty we could be nice to each other we could be respectful to each other luckily um, I had a great team who taught me a lot and they took me under their wing because they had been there a long time and I was brand new. They always kind of razz newbies, but at some point that razzing stops and they really want to. Got to have a little hazing. Got to have a little hazing. But <laughs> they took me under, but it was, it, I got to learn how to work with these people um, and adapt to them and then live with them, which set me up for my touring career that would happen about three years later. Because nice. all of a sudden, I find myself seeing my cruise ship life reflected in the tour bus life where I had the same crew and we worked on the same show and we we're stuck on the bus together and we have to get along and we have to be able to communicate. And so I got that 
life experience, even though we were going to Mexico every week, I got that yeah. part of the life experience in, in fistfuls because those quarters were tiny and those, they were your roommates and your workmates. So to be able to live and work with the people, that's what I got. And it, I will say just backing up that it was a nice transition out of college. If you're a little scared and don't know what to do because that college dorm life and like the bubble of college is mimicked in a bubble of a cruise ship or even going on tour right away. Cause you're kind of held by the company and it's, you don't have to make every decision on your own. So I would say if, you're a little trepidatious and want a little bit more coddling, which isn't a bad thing. I say that with love. Then those kind of cruise ships or tours is a good way to start out because you get to a little bit of life experience without all of it at once. But for me, yeah, that was exactly what. And then finally I thought, okay, I'm done. I want to move to New York. I've saved enough money. And then I got my life experience and like, oh, I need to pay rent. I had a job going in through an alumni collection collection connection so connect with the alumni in your college and everybody you can meet who went more if you went to the same schools i'm just fyi little nugget to hold on to uh so i had a job going into new york because of that connection from acu she heard about me thought i'd be good and just gave me the job because i went to the same school as her so it was a little handout but i proved myself and got a job and was living in New York and being an assistant stage manager for an off-Broadway show. And I thought, wow, this is a real world all of a sudden. So and did you have that um, already lined up before you moved there? Yes. Um, okay. I did. It was, it was, it all, the dominoes fell very quickly. I got off the ship in October, 2010, wanting to move in November. And I was going to spend the month um, researching everything I could and trying to find my way in the door. And then I got an email saying, are you in New York by chance? Because I have a, a ASM position for you if you want it. And I thought, holy man, yes, this, I want I'll be there. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I kind of, it was, it was all very, the stars aligned for me there. And I had always planned for a November 1st move there. So I just got lucky that the job came with the move, but um yeah. Sorry, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> oh, that's all right. Well, and again, you know, one of the things you, you mentioned, but we, we're going to keep mentioning it because it's one of the main things to, to, to remember if you're going to try to do uh, a journey that includes this, this industry. And that is relationship, relationship, relationship. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're, when you're a senior in college, you better be asking who's in New York if you're going to New York, who's on tour if you're going to go on tour and don't wait in, to connect it when you're moving like you did, make that connection before so that you're you're a step ahead of the next guy because everybody's hoping. I would say make connections faster. It's not always going to be lucky like that. As soon as I right. got there, I met up with her and had a coffee to say thank you and to keep that connection strong to make sure she knew I appreciated her. Um, she, I don't remember where she was working at the time, but my goal was to stay relevant in her mind because it was a connection. And I was new to New York. So I am new to this new show and I kind of put all my energy in it and let the networking go by the wayside. So the show got put up. I met, I had a great PSM guide me, knew it was my first time in New York, took me into her wing. And then um, the show ran for a little while, then it closed. And then I started looking for another job, which was a mistake on my part. But 
you know, you kind of learn from those mistakes and you take them with you. So after that show, I got what I like to call muggle jobs to pay the bills. I got Go a job. Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> got a job at Gotham Comedy Club as a hostess. Um, it's a famous comedy club if you're yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. That must have been fun. Yeah, it was a ma- it was a great job. It paid helped me pay the bills. It was at night, so I was still using my days to find um, some jobs, be on Playbill, look to see who was hiring. And then I got another job at Reebok Sports Club New York, which was random, but I got it through a friend and they needed some preschool teachers. And I said, sure, I'll do that. And and then eventually that I got promoted at that job and I had a tiny spell. I, w- I call it a dry spell, but I'm grateful for it of, I, where I didn't do theater from about 2011 to 2012, just about a year where I I was just working those muggle jobs full on to pay my bills. Is my cat in the background? Yeah, yeah which is great. You can introduce us. We met Renee Levine's dog, Latte. Latte, yeah. Yeah, we got to meet Latte. So who's your cat? That's uh, Pujo. Uh, Pujo, nice. <laughs> a good French car? Uh, yes, a French car. We adopted her. Uh, my husband and I adopted her about a year and a half ago. It'll be two years this August. I'm staring at her a little bit. She, her food is up there, so... I live in California now and you get ants here apparently. So it's up on the um, table so the ants won't get it, but we don't have ants, it's controlled. She just likes it up there and so do I. But I I have this craft table and her food is up there and that's her. She's 12 years old. Oh, wow. We adopted her. Oh, I the whole reason why I said Pujo is we didn't want to change her name because she was so old when we adopted her and assumed that it was kind of like entrenched in her. She's gone now, she went away. <laughs> it was good to meet her. <laughs> if she got wind of what I was doing, she would probably jump up here and be on my papers and in my lap. So I don't want to attract her attention because she will. Um, she's a queen at distracting and getting in your business. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah, she's cute. I love her. So anyway, I was working um, at Reebok Sports Club and I got a job as the birthday party coordinator. And I found myself doing this job that needed all of my skills as a stage manager and it brought me a lot of joy. I was in charge of the schedule. I had payroll, I had employees under me. I was scheduling parties and events at the club. And I thought, this is awesome. This is a great day job. It's paying my bills. I'll get back into the theater swing when it's time or whatever that meant. But yeah. I just kind of relished being an adult in New York city. I was a young adult living the dream essentially, even if it wasn't the whole dream, it was, independence it was self-reliance that's the same thing but i just felt like i was blossoming because i lived in a really tiny neighbor neighborhood and i went to a small west texas town and then i was isolated on the ship and i just finally got to be in this big city and be a, a big girl and yeah, i would say there's a little difference in those things so that's yeah. i understand it's, yeah that's great and it, the culture was amazing and it, it wasn't a shock i just embraced it i think the culture on the ship helped me because there's so much culture and there's people working from all over the world that you are just there. Everybody is from every, everywhere. There's 90 languages on a ship. So it's just, it's kind of amazing to get that culture. Just fresh. Jeez Louise. I can't speak. Yeah. Well, it's kind of more of a, I I would say the the cruise ship was probably closer to a microcosm of New York city than what you were used to in Mesquite for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It was like a little dose of it, a huge dose of it. And then I got it again when I moved to New York and, I was kind of living it and then I got a call one day and it was my friend was the lead and how the Grinch told Christmas. So um I'm going to I'm going to push pause here and go back just to catch up on something. So you um 
you had the gig right after the cruise ship when you moved to New York, right? And then you kind of went through a dry spell there. Um, talk to me about uh, any lesson learned about how to avoid those dry spells. Um, you know, yeah. was, what was the secret or is there a secret sauce or something that, that you didn't know then that now you know and it helps? Yes, for sure. I was under the misconception that crew positions or stage manager positions would be easy to get because there's not as much competition and they were well advertised on Playbill and, and backstagejobs.com and things like that. I was wrong. They maybe be advertised, but it wasn't necessarily easy and they weren't falling in my lap like I thought or like what I kind of thought school would be like where they always needed someone and you could just call. I was just not really prepared with how to apply for the jobs and to keep my name relevant. And when I was telling myself when the show was going on, I'll, I'll look while the show, when, once the show is in production and we're working at night, I'll spend my days looking for new jobs, but I should have been spending my days meeting the people who were in the theaters next to me. I the show was at theater row. And if it, it is on 49th street and night, then there's five theaters in this one building. It's called theater row. And right. there were shows in that building alongside mine that, had I had a little bit more wits about me, I could have met the other stage managers in the building and the other crew members in the building and gotten coffee with them or done a little bit more um, footwork in, in the streets to meet other people and, and maybe join that stage management Facebook group a little a few er years earlier and been a little bit more active on who's who are the players because it the business is great and it's I love it, but it's a lot of hand to hand between people like me and you. If I need a job and I know that you're available, I'm gonna call you before I post the job online. And I didn't know that. So I would go to the interviews or I'd apply and send my resume along via the Playbill ads, but I really wasn't hearing back. And I and I thought, well, okay, I'll just, I'll just keep trying and it'll come when it comes and I'll just keep looking on the internet. And it's not about, it's not all about looking on the internet, it's about getting out there and finding out who's working or who's putting on the shows or which friends are doing a cabaret that you might be able to sneak in and help with just on the side, even if you aren't getting paid or just exposing yourself to the other people who know where the jobs are coming from. Right. And yeah. I think Tim Schmidt and Re Renee both referred to it as the hustle, right? I've heard that a lot. You got you to do the hustle. Um, you got to constantly. And you have to know the players of who is hiring, which I didn't know. So company managers, general managers they all work for a production company and that company has their general managers to hire out their stage managers and find people to work their shows and they hire the company managers as well so i didn't quite know who was hiring at the time it, this was all in 2010 2011 and so that dry spell was 2011 to 2012 because the show ran from about october to february and i had a good chunk of like oh this is awesome this is life but i really was i kind of thought too highly of it and wasn't realizing it was going to end. And there's the other thing about the business is there's not a whole lot of consistency when you work smaller jobs and bounce from job to job. You can book Wicked and that's great or The Lion King and be in that show full time all the time, but it's harder. <laughs> it's a lot more. The can, Most people are bouncing from gig to gig. So you have to remember that this gig is going to end and not wait to find out what's going to be, what you're going to work on after that one, because always looking, always talking, always be looking. Because at some point you're going to be unemployed and realize that you haven't done any footwork, legwork to to get your next job. And so, 
is there a resource to um you know you got to know who's hiring you uh, and you didn't know is there is there a resource what's is it just through relationship to the best way to meet those people or is there a place you can go and see who's the the company or general manager for upcoming shows um i yeah i know i believe sorry i got that's okay sorry. i kind of sprung that on you that was a thought that just hit me here that i hadn't <laughs> thought about and um you know, it's something I can follow up on too and post in the description below, but um, I, um, I just wondered. I was trying to see if there was an actual answer, like, a, but I think the answer is no, in the sense that you kind of have to go, well, I take that back. There's this thing that I learned now about three years ago called the theatrical index, but you have to subscribe to it. And uh, it, shows, it shows, and it's also not even a hiring site. It's basically an industry newsletter and, and website where you can go and be like, oh, Diana, the musical is coming to Broadway and Michael Jackson is coming to Broadway. And you can go to that site and see who's producing it. So it's kind of like doing your homework. You can go and see who's producing Michael Jackson and then go to their production company website and then see if they have any interns or PA positions available, internships or PA positions available and then resume, send your resume out that way. But you kind of just have to piecemeal the yeah. information on the internet if you don't have the friends or, or you don't know the people, which is fine, right. you don't know the people, but then that same theatrical website index that I'm, that I use now, which I know now that I know that exists, I can see, Oh, my friend, Jamie is this PSM for this show. Does he have a PA yet? Does he have an assistant yet? I'll, I'll email him. And so you can find out who the PSMs are or the general managers are of the shows and you can cold email out them cold network email to them. Yeah. Wow, well, my mouth. That's okay. And I was going to say, probably, I mean, that's, you, you nailed it. One of the first things that I would do, and, and I'm sure you do, is look for the people you know, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the first thing you're going to do is, is look through there. Is there anybody I know in any position? And then, you know, you, that's part of the hustle. You reach out to them. Hey, do you know if anybody's looking? Can yeah. you put in a good word for me? Can you do an introduction? Yeah. And there is a Facebook group on stage on for stage managers in New York. I'm also part of the one in L.A., um, there's not one in San Diego. Maybe I'll start one or maybe there is, and I can't, haven't found it yet, but, um, be part of those Facebook groups, but be vocal on them and make yourself relevant or, Oh, I saw that you're in that group. And it, it's really tough. If you aren't, you like this job, you're a crew person because you're not the outgoing type or you're introverted. It is, can be, it can be very hard to network with people that you don't know. And you and I didn't know each other and you emailed yeah, me. Absolutely. And I said, okay. And you kind of have to just go for it. And I got some excellent advice from a stage manager who's a little bit older, much older than me. I think he's in his fifties or so. And I met him through a show. I was the child wrangler on the show, but he was the PSM and I wanted to make myself relevant because I've been learning now. I need to meet the people in the game. And I said, David, his name is David Lober. He, he's the PSM of Matilda. He was, he right now, is um, he was on Christmas Carol. He's done so much, like, it's blanking on me, but I was on Matilda the Musical as the Wrangler on the tour and I met him and he said, email me, I don't care. You're not bugging me, you're not nagging me. I am just forgetful. So don't worry about how many times it takes you to email me if you need something. So he kind of gave me the green light to, to remind him about me when I knew he was moving on or when he may need a sub on Matilda. I, I emailed him to be a part of his team when um he did christmas carol but he had already had already had them all lined up and i think he oh gosh i'm so mad at myself there's the show on the tip of my tongue it was just on broadway he just did it and he kind of just 
gave me the confidence I needed to be not feel guilty about emailing these PSMs to see if they need someone to help. And, and those, those emails turn themselves into jobs and those connections you meet. So I'm going to, yeah, I, I kind of almost jumped like five years to meet to talk about Jane who got me on Broadway, but. Um, well, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to pause here um, because we're getting, we're getting more into Broadway and the, and the positions there and stuff. Yeah. And, and one of the things that is uh, unique about you so far, Shay, is you are, our, we mentioned you're our first stage manager. Yeah. And so there's some acronyms and some positions and things that probably a lot of our, our viewers uh, don't know. Uh, because when we talk about stage managers in high school and in college and even in community theater, um, it, it's, it's maybe a little bit different than what it is in the professional world. Uh, and so I would love for you to be the, the one to represent your guild. And um, there you go. And, and kind of school us in, in, in the professional world of theater. What are the different levels of, of stage manager? What does PSM mean, ASM, PA? Uh, all of those wonderful letters and and who yeah. are they? What do they do? Okay, great. So first off, there's your production stage manager, and he or she is at the helm of the whole production. They, I mean, it, a stage manager in itself is responsible for making the entire production run smoothly on stage, backstage, throughout rehearsals. They coordinate all the scheduling among the actors, rehearsal spaces, designers. Uh, producers who want to see the show, actors who need press, they do the schedule for everything. So this production stage manager is at the helm of of the vortex that is a production. And they are the, they receive all the information from all the departments and filter it through to who needs to know what. The director needs to know this because this is happening. Oh, he doesn't need to know that yet. I mean, they can make these kinds of decisions that help the production run smoothly. And really there's three jobs in that because the rehearsal, that's rehearsals. And then during tech, that person runs the ship. So every department runs the show smoothly and, and can lead the designer's vision from the house to be shown out on the stage and they control the actors on when to move and, and let's pause here to do lighting. And they, they run the ship that way in a really technical way, even, um, um, to just make sure that the show gets put on its feet. And then once the director leaves and the show is running, they keep the artistic vision of the director and the um, administrative side of the show as a whole running then. So they make sure the actors are doing what they were told to do weeks ago. They make sure that the uh, wardrobe is making, doing all their tasks to keep costumes clean. They train, train understudies. It's, it's a huge job. And so that production stage manager can have sometimes one, two, three assistants, depending on the cast size. So in, in equity, a play with less than 10 people only needs one assistant stage manager. I think even less than 15 people. Um, so a production stage manager and their assistant stage manager. And that assistant does all the same stuff that I kind of just mentioned the production stage manager does, but on a smaller scale in the sense that they don't make the big head honcho decisions, but they can help that PSM make them or remind them, oh, you can't do that because of this, or remember she has this. So they're just there to be a strong assistant to keep it all moving. You can't do that job all alone. Right. And um, we make paperwork. The, stage, uh, the assistant stage manager does a lot of the paperwork footing to keep the show running backstage to help the crew that comes in to learn the show, teaches them where props go, teaches them who's doing quick changes where, and 
where the blocking is all going to be. So I've been in rooms, I've been the assistant to a PSM who doesn't want me doing the blocking and they want to do it all or has made me do all the blocking because they didn't want to do it. So it just kind of depends on who your PSM is on what you end up doing in that rehearsal room. But my main goal always has been to help that person do the best job they can do. So the performance and the, the show can go off without a hitch. And even if that means eavesdropping on conversations and the director's talking right next to you, you, and you're on a break, you kind of don't look at your phone on this break. You're really kind of working on this break. Cause you want to listen to hear what he says to catch like, Oh, he's saying he wants to do this. And then you write that note down so they can hear it later. It's just about being everywhere. Kind yeah. of. Yeah. So as the assistant, you are the second brain to the to the to the PSM. Yeah, and I love being the second brain. I love being a good assistant. Um, I just recently got into Mash. Did you watch Mash? Love Mash. Yes, I it's been one of my favorite shows. I'm obsessed with Radar O'Reilly. Yeah. And I feel like all these high school students don't watch Mash. You guys, I know it's 70s and kind of boring or lame, but go on Hulu and just watch a couple of episodes. It's so silly and funny, and Radar is. One of the best shows for writing that it, has ever existed. It's so good. And um, my husband and I have been watching it just on repeat and through there's so many seasons. And I'm just realizing how much I love Radar. And I am Radar O'Reilly. And that's what I want to be. This Radar, this Colonel has this assistant named Radar, you guys. And as soon as the Colonel says something, he's next to him. He's like, yes, sir. Yeah. And you need to sign this or he'll have his orange juice ready for him before he even asks for it and even knows that's what he wants. It's just so Which is why it's called radar because he knows what's going to happen before it happens. That's why it's, yeah. yeah, that's a great analogy. I'd never thought about the fact that radar O'Reilly was a stage manager of the mm -hmm. forest of smash. Sure. Very sure. true. That's great. I look, I just love watching radar and I just have a soft spot for him. So as an assistant, you are the second brain keeping that stuff going. So and I would imagine then that there are there's quite a tight relationship between a PSM and their assistants. And is that something that tends to carry over from job to job? In other words, do you align yourself and and, and the PSM? If they find somebody, they don't want to have to retrain them in their style every time, yeah, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. That was one of the things that made me realize it was a little harder to get in in the first place. Because as I mentioned, my, my new friend, David, already had a core of assistants that he took with him to every show. And every Broadway show I would go to, if you read the bios and you read the bio of the PSM and, and then the stage managers, you can see that a lot of the times it's the same show at least once or twice. Even my bio has two shows in it and they're the same three shows and they're the same three shows that my mentor brought me in and made me her assistant for. So I could see the pattern that PSMs, if they had a team, they kept them. And you may, this kind of links back to, I got my first tour job in 2012 from an actor who recommended me and they must've trusted him or liked him a lot because they hired me based on his recommendation and my resume, I guess, and my schooling. Um, but like I said, I hadn't been working for a year, but they hired me and I went out and I flew and I did this tour. It was How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And I kept that job because they hired me back for the next year. So I may have been given a handout to start, but I proved myself, I showed my worth. And I went back in 2013 for the full length of the tour. I, yeah, they needed me for just two weeks in Detroit. That's, that's exactly. And I think our very first thing on the wall of wisdom was when Jerry said, Jay said, be nice and do good work. And I think you just, you nailed it. We talk a lot about the network and the importance of the network in order to get in. But the reality is once you get in, then you got to do the work and you got to do the work well. So you, it's got to be a balance. For sure. And I, I always thought like, oh, well, my friend got me in, but 
he maybe got me in, but I, that company kept hiring me for five more years. I, I, a lot of my non-union, all of my touring was through them, almost all of it. And they just kept bringing me back. They took, I did a show that went to Singapore and they hired me for it. So I got to travel. To oh, that's England. fun. Uh, I did an awesome one nighter tour where I got to learn the ins and outs of, you know, coming in one day, setting it all up, doing the show, bringing it all down, going to the another city the next day and doing it all over. It sounds crazy, but it's doable. And tours do it every single day, did do it every single day. And I got to try that kind of touring. And I kept getting rehired from this company. It was called Big League Productions. And I did, let me see, Grinch, Singapore, what, Christmas Story. I did five shows for this company. Over oh, this wow. Thing. They must have really liked you to 2015 and then I did, or 2016, and then I left for two years and then they did an equity version of How the Grinch Stole Christmas. So I had left the company for two years to go equity, to, to because I came equity and they mostly did non-equity shows. And um, they were doing an equity version of How the Grinch Stole Christmas and I was equity now and they were doing it. So I called called them up and I said, "Is this, are these positions available? And one of them was, and I got hired for it. And now I get to be back with that original company that showed me the way of touring and play with the big boys, essentially, in, in, a, in a whole other field. And we played Madison Square Garden. Oh, and wow. Huge feeling to know that I started in 2012 with them without my equity card, with little, no touring experience. And now I'm back again six years later with them. So let's pause right there and, and talk about equity because... Um, until now, everybody that we have talked to has been IATSE, right? Okay. They've primarily been stagehands and things, but as a stage manager, because I know most people have heard of equity, mm -hmm. uh, but they relate it to actors and performers. Um, and so uh, you're a little unique in that uh, at your your backstage, but your it, it is an equity role, yes. correct? So talk a little bit about that, if you would. Sure. From my from my understanding, it's actors were indoctrinated in at first. It first started as an actor's union, but then they realized that stage manager and actors work so closely together that the stage manager should be in there with them, controlling as the controllers of the schedule. And scheduling and the protection of everybody's time is a main fundamental you know, a pillar of the union. So that is why those two marry, though you may not think that they would. But as the controllers of the time and schedule, we make sure that everyone's time is being respected and the rules are, are, are laid out and we keep that union kind of rolling. So everyone, I just said it, but everyone is protected and equity and IATSE and the musicians union, we're all supposed to work in harmony, which most of the time we do to keep everybody's rules sacred and, and work together as a team. And um, when I was first starting out, I was not equity and I've done amazing shows and I've brought the best of myself to all of those shows, even though I wasn't, but I, I knew that there was another level I needed to get to. And one of those biggest levels was the health insurance and, and creating some savings and some IRAs for myself and like being a little bit more grown up at the time. And so I was striving very hard to, to join the union in order to have more security in the, in, in payment. I don't believe it is my opinion that, those shows, if you see a non-equity SpongeBob SquarePants in, in your hometown, it's going to be just as good as if you go to see the equity version on Broadway, because those people are passionate about what they do, whether they're a card union, card carrying union member or not. They're just so happy to have a job and they're going to bring their best foot forward just if 
if it were a union show. That's my opinion, but that's because I did non-union touring for a long time. Yeah, now, well, the reality is every union person was once non-union. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and you gotta start I'm, somewhere, that's, that's I'm fine. Member, um, and you can get union, you can get your union card in two ways, uh, two or three ways. You can join in from another, like if you're SAG after, you can join in with so many points. You can be given a contract, which is how it was given to me, uh, just flat out, um, be hired for a show that's equity, and then you accept your co your contract and accept your card that way. Or you can work up to it through working and earning EMC points. And I, I equity something. I don't know what EMC stands for. I'm sorry. I didn't have to work. I never worked for them. You, yeah, I yeah, I'm so sorry. That's a stain on, on this interview. So you work at regional theaters and you can gain points. And if you gain 50 points, you're given your card. And, you know, there's an initiation fee and you pay dues each year, each quarter. I pay working dues when I'm in a contract. And all of those dues go to support us and to support the union. So I'm very pro-union and pro getting health insurance. And I love what I do. But um, I didn't know that you had to earn points. I was a little unschooled with how to do that. So um and it is the Equity Membership Candidate Program. Oh, because thought... I can Google with the best of them. <laughs> equity Membership Candidate, EMC. And actors work towards EMC points as well. It's the same for actors. They also have to earn points to get their card, or they can book a show that gives them a card. So And you and you can do that regionally. I know that's not just a, a New York thing. You know, students need well, to know that. I know here in Oklahoma, for our, I've got a lot of friends working in Tulsa and Oklahoma City on the EMC program, working towards becoming equity. Yeah, it's funny that you say it like that, because I was going to say, it's mostly regional. Don't worry about New York theaters. Go and, and like work at your theaters in your hometown when you're a high school kid or in your college. Like if I had known that I could have been doing EMC work in Abilene or in Dallas on my summers because I didn't know any of that. Um, and I really wasn't taught about that in school. And I, one of your questions I'm just going to say was what would I do differently about my college? And I would have sought out more internships and more things to do during my summers that pertain to stage management. Um, when I went to SETC for a job that was stage management based, but I had two summers prior to that that I probably just sat on my butt and did nothing. Now yeah. Well, and I mean, especially because, you know, if you don't do it in the summers when you're in college and you wait until you've graduated, you may get into it and discover, wait, I don't like this. Yeah, that's so, not good. Um, and I don't even know. I don't think there are many AMC places in New York. It, I may be the signature, but it's not. It's not something I even hear New York people doing. I hear New York actors leaving the city to go to regional theaters to get their EMC points. But I, I was, I met um, along the way. I decided touring was keeping me away from meeting the people I needed to meet in New York City to get my name out there and to be on Broadway and to get my equity card because I really wanted to go to Broadway, and. And I just didn't know know any. I didn't know enough people, and the people I did know were already had their assistance already. So I, I got an introduction in 2016 at a Christmas party for a PSM that I had heard of. I was a PA, which I didn't get to mention the PA position. It's called production assistant. And, you know, you have your PSM, your ASM, and then your PAs. And those production assistants make coffee, make coffee, co copies, take notes on the script. They can help the assistant stage manager set up props. They do it all sorts of things. They are invaluable to the team. Treat your PAs nicely when you get onto the real world. Um, so I was a PA on a show 
in this awesome rehearsal studio in New York City for a Bronx Tale, actually, if you've heard of it. I was the PA. Absolutely. Love that show. I was a PA for their dance choreography workshop. And next door, it's only a play was rehearsing and it starred Rupert, Rupert, Nathan Lane. Oh, yeah. Rupert Grint, the yeah. Harry Potter, um, yep. Stalker Channing, Megan Mullally, and um, F. Um, F Abraham something and F Murray Abraham. And I thought this is the rehearsal room next door to mine. I wow. saw almost every day. I exchanged words with Megan Mullally and this in that building, they have the emergency contact on a piece of paper on every room. So ours was our PSM. Her name is Beverly Jenkins. I've been trying to get on her team forever. I still send her an email every once in a while. And then next door was Jane Gray. And I thought, oh, cool. The stage manager's name is Jane Gray. Who is she? And I would see her and I was just too chicken to say hello or to introduce myself. And then two years later, I met her at a Christmas party. And um, I didn't tell her that I knew that she, I didn't <laughs> tell her to her once or anything. But um, I, I saw her talking to my PSM. And so I knew that she knew Beverly. So I kind of was like, I've worked with Beverly before. And I met her through my boyfriend was working a show that she was on and he took me to their Christmas party and I met her and she told me, you know, I'm, I'm really in the, in the market is <laughs> a weird thing to say. I remember for a female assistant, cause she wanted to change up her style a little bit and had been working with a lot of males and wanted a female assistant. And that was Christmas time. And in January, she gave me like a tryout to see if we would meld well together. Yeah. And we did a, a reading for Sam gold. It's called the visitor. And it starred Helen Mirren and Samuel L. Jackson. And I just wow. thought, what room am I in? And I just did <laughs> And I assisted her. And I, if she had a question, I did it. Or if she had a, a, an order, I, I went and did it and and showed my worth. And next thing you know, she wants me to be her assistant on a, on a full production called the Par- a Parallelogram at Second Stage. It was written by Bruce Norris. And it was directed by Michael Greif. And wow. Michael Greif directed Rent. He directed Dear Evan Hansen, War Paint, If Then. I mean, Dear Evan Hansen, you guys, the director of Dear Evan Hansen was now my director. Just a few things. Just a few things. He was He's um, <laughs> an amazing person in the industry, and I hadn't heard of him until then, and I Googled him when I realized. I Googled Bruce Norris, who won the Tony two years prior for Clyburn Park, and now he is the author of this play, and Jane's like, come and be my assistant, and th- this will get your equity card, because she knew I was non-equity, and that was a goal, and she liked me and wanted to to help me get this thing, and and um, I assisted her on that show, and it was the, one of the best summers ever. I just kind of, I, I kind of, I finally did it. Like, I finally had a person who showed, who who liked who I was and liked my style and, and knew we could work well together. And she brought me along to give me my equity card. And from there, if she got a show offer, she'd call me and say, let's do this. And uh, let's, let's do this. And um, I got a job through, I got it. I got connections at the public theater through Jane. And we ended up, I ended up doing a full production again with Michael Greif and Bruce Norris at the public that, that, Michael and Bruce asked me to come along with to do with them because Jane was unavailable. So I showed my worth to those two men. And even though the, I was already the assistant, that theater company said, okay, we'll have the assistant and we'll just hire the PSM and let them know that this is who they have to work with, which Instead is Instead of normal. allowing them to take, yeah, because normally they get to bring in who they want to work with, yeah, right? I would have lost that job because Jane couldn't have done it, but that wasn't the case. And that was 
because of me, not because of whatever handouts or lucky breaks I got. Yeah, you earned that. That's absolutely yeah. right. You're so, a star. Oh, thanks. It's just, I just think it's important for all of us to remind ourselves when we get lucky, that's great. But remember what you did to get yourself there. So no one can take that away from you. Absolutely. Good point. That's yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. Um, and then that all culminated to, I got, Jane said, I need you on this Broadway show called St. Joan. Are you interested in being the full-time PA, which is unheard of? Most PAs are cut once the show is out of rehearsals because you just don't need that extra assistant um, hanging around because the PSM and the ASM can normally run a show, a, mu um, a play just by themselves. And on musicals, I didn't mention this, there's normally two or three assistants. Oh, wow. Um, it just depends on how big the cast is. Uh, but most plays are just the PSM and the assistant stage manager. And then most musicals are the PSM and two stage managers. And they all kind of train, each, all do each other's roles. But he, she convinced the production company that was doing St. Joan that she wanted a full-time production assistant, which would be me, who would also learn the deck track and learn the call of the show to replace her and her assistant as needed. So I was on contract like two days a week. So every other day I would get paid lower PA pay and not be on contract. And then two days a week, I'd be on the equity contract of a stage manager pay and like be part of the team. I was a part of the team. I shouldn't air quote that. I was a part of the team the whole week, but different pay scales for different jobs, which is, yeah. I don't think very common. I haven't heard a lot of people do that. So eventually Jane, well, she did that because she had to leave the show and she wanted the right training and the right people to take over her show once she left. That's and smart. Yeah. She left and the ASM bumped up to the PSM and then the PA bumped up to the, I was a PA and I bumped up to the ASM and we did that for two weeks and then the show closed. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> well, it was a good idea anyway. It was a good no, idea anyway. Um, it was awesome. We were, we were waiting for the Tonys that year to see if we would extend, but that's okay. Um, and then that fall, she brought me on as the production assistant for American Son, which starred Carrie Washington and Stephen Pascal. And wow. Jeremy, it was Jeremy Jordan's play debut. So they were like, the press was kind of pumping that up because he had never yeah. been on a play before. And it was an amazing show. And I was the production assistant and also the, the script coordinator. So I worked with the author to make sure any script changes in the room that happened, got into his final draft and we kept scripts updated. And I ended up running lines with Carrie before rehearsals or before shows. And it was just, an, it was a small slice of that pie. And it was really exciting to be a part of it, even though I wasn't the stage manager. So I'm still at this point, I'm still kind of waiting for my stage manager from the beginning to end role, but no one can deny that I hadn't been on Broadway and done that um, awesome job in, in some way. So, um, so do you think, um, you know, anytime you're offered, because there may have been some who said, well, you know, I've been an ASM enough now. I don't want to be a PA anymore. But before you just kind of poo-poo that away, how much wisdom is there in in considering um, the other advantages that can come along with? Yeah, maybe I'm just, uh, you know, going to be the PA, but man, I'll gain all of this out of it. Yeah, don't poo-poo anything at any age. I mean... <laughs> I don't, Jane, my mentor is in her 60s, so I doubt she's, well, she is so far beyond, she would never be a PA, but I don't think she'd poo-poo being an assistant because maybe she'd just be over being the head honcho on stuff. But at our, at my age, even in my 30s, if I'm getting a PA job and I can afford to, and I say that because I do have, if I have health insurance weeks to fall back on or I have a nest egg to fall back on because the pay scale is different. 
but if I can afford to be a PA on a, on a cool show or an awesome team, do you think I'm going to turn down being a PA for Hamilton? Or no anything? way, yeah. No way. And you know what? I've worked for the Hamilton team. I've worked for Alex Lackmore. I've worked for Andy Blankenbuehler. Andy Blankenbuehler. Uh-huh. Well, and, and I mean, just the fact that who can say they ran lines with Kerry Washington, right? Not a lot of people. Probably Not a people. lot of people. I mean, how many of those actresses that were got the leads when you were in high school and you didn't? Yeah. Huh? They'll never have that opportunity. Yeah. Look at you yeah. go. See? Uh, no, don't poo-poo that stuff because you don't know where it can lead. And if if the person in front of you gets sick or 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 can't has something that they can't finish the show, they're going to call on the PA. If if you show them your worth and you were a good PA, they're going to call on you first because you know the show right here. They um yeah, don't I have a friend who did Grinch with me at Madison Square Garden and I mentioned there's stages of stage managers so this the PSM. She was the first assistant, I was the second assistant. Um and which is all pay scale, but I felt like we were, we're all, it doesn't matter. We're all on the same team. And she just called a show and I didn't, but that was a choice. We, the team, I didn't want to. And is, it was, it a, is it a good thing to, um, yeah, absolutely. It was um, sure that I didn't need to learn the call, but she did. So she got paid more money. Right. Um, but I just want to finish this thought that she yeah, would love me, but on the show I am now, I brought her in as the PA and she graciously took that job because if some now she'll be called on first, if ever we need a substitute on, on that show. Um, right. And, you know, she's also in her thirties. It doesn't, yeah. it's just, um, it's just a way to get in the door and to stay in the door and to make yourself relevant and just, and which is so important. And, and do you think, is it okay if um, let's say I'm starting off and I get a job as a PA and I'm doing a good job and they like me um, and I've been there for a bit. Um, if I really want to be a, an ASM or a PSM eventually, is it okay to, when I can, you know, let them know that and to, to pick their brain and to try to learn and to, to be inquisitive and, and uh, oh. not, not going so far as to be in a nuisance, but to at least do what you can to gain the knowledge while you're there. Sure. I mean, also, if you are a PA on a stage manager team, we all assume that your goal is to be an ASM or PSM in the, in the long run. If you're brand new to it and you're learning everything, then maybe not. And then, yes, you can keep picking. But it's pretty much a given that this is where you want to go if you're choosing to be a PA. Okay. It's not so it's always, a natural progression. It is a natural progression. Yeah, for sure. And if you're starting out and learning about something and you want to PA, be a PA, then I would say um, – listen to everything, be open to everything. Don't question what you're doing and just do it because you don't really have any, any background information to question. If something sounds weird or silly, you're like, why do I have to make this coffee? You can't just, just do just it. Make don't make that coffee. If your actors in the, the golden rule is take the note, just take the job, just take the task and then do that task as best as you can. And then and then maybe be like, so what was the purpose of, of organizing these props in this way? Or what was the purpose of that spreadsheet? Because it feels redundant. Even I feel like I'm doing redundant paperwork, but you don't know what it's for or who it's going to help better than you. And our job is to serve the show. So um, that's that's all I'm going to say on that. But if you don't know anything and it's your first try, just do the task and and, and try to absorb everything. Everything is a lesson when you're with people who are in their careers far above you, even for me, every lesson I learned from Jane and all the PSMs before her that taught me to get me where I am. I just soak it up like a sponge 
and hope to put it out in my own way or I had one PSM. It was actually for Grinch. It was my friend Carolyn and this guy named Richard. Um, and he's like, you know, you guys, I've learned something. When we tell each other stuff, I'd like to avoid using the phrase, I know, like, oh, don't, uh, you, um, the Grinch has blah, blah, blah. And your natural response would be, oh, I know. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's fine that you know that, but I'm not telling you because I don't think you know it. It's, it's a, it's a thing. He explained it so eloquently three years ago when I heard it, but it was just a tool to use to respect the team and respect the knowledge and all the information that was going out. Because what if you didn't know that? And you can be like, Oh, great. That's awesome. Or if you did know it, the reminder is awesome. Oh, thanks for that reminder. It was just a way to respect us without ever feeling Oh God, I know. Why do you keep telling me that? I mean, I know how to do my job. I know, I know. It's it's just about making sure that the, the production runs smoothly and keeping our backs like all covered. And and I yeah. that nugget and I love it so much. And me and Carolyn, who's the PA on the show I'm doing right now, we still do it for each other. We don't like, I know, like I know it goes there. Just it's just such an easy way to respect the team and to keep this piece that you didn't realize was probably like not peaceful when you answer stuff like that or when you think you're just being babied. I don't know. Well, and you know, if you are the, if you're the PSM, you're the master. I think um, as I listened to you describe, I caught something that I hadn't thought about. A a stage manager PSM is really the master of consistency. I'd never thought about that, but they're there to protect the vision of the director, the writer. Uh, You know, if the actors start to go astray, you know, it's their job to kind of rein them back in. Mm -hmm. Um, and so they are truly the masters of consistency so that every night the magic happens. Yeah. And um, that's huge. And so if you're the master of consistency, you can't assume that they know. Yeah. No, you right? can't. That's it. And so you, if, if they're telling me that's, that's their job, I, I, why would I question them? Hey, that's great. Absolutely. Thank you for mm-hmm. reminding me. Even if I didn't know, that's wonderful. That's, Thank I mean, for- I institute that in my shows here. No, I love that you just filled in the holes. Like you kind of understood where I was going to fill in the holes in my explanation because that's totally right. Like that's well, part of it too. Yeah. Well, you're, it, it, it made perfect sense. It made perfect sense and it's really wise. So that's great. Yeah. That's cool. an awesome team. And so I learned that from that team and then I can take it to other teams in the future. So it's all about just working with these people and absorbing the knowledge and information you can um, to, to use it for your own craft. And it's your craft and it's your, if you want to be passionate about it, then it's just amazing what you can learn from everybody you work with. And the real world is is so much schooling out there, so much information to be had and to to learn from it. It, It's your responsibility to soak it in and like. Always be learning. Yeah. And and always be teaching. Yeah. Um. So we are running short on time and I want a couple things here for sure. I want to cover one is the exciting thing that, you know, we know we're in quarantine now and things kind of got slowed down, but just before it did, you um, had the, the, the coolest thing. And we're going to just believe that it's, it's all going to happen and more sooner than later. So tell us about the exciting stuff you got going on right now. Okay. Yeah. That actually, I probably didn't even get to the end, but basically in 2019, um, I'm going to go a tiny long, a tiny circle around. Oh, no, that's good. Do it. My husband got a job at La Jolla Playhouse as the sound supervisor and in sound San Diego. In San Diego, California. Yeah. And we were, we had just gotten engaged a few months prior to that. And I thought, you know, 
I've, I've got an American Jane, uh, American Jane. I got St. Joan. I've got American Sun. I got the Broadway shows I wanted. I got my equity card. I may not have gotten how I wanted it, but I got there. Let's move to California. Let's do something new and try something fresh. So we moved to California and um, then we flew back for our wedding in September. And then by October, my mentor, Jane said, are you willing to come back? Because I really, really want you to be my assistant on this new Broadway show called The Minutes. It's by Tracy Letts and Anna D. Shapiro. Uh, Tracy wrote August Osage County. Yeah. Um, among many other things and he is now slowly becoming a movie star too Ford versus ferrari uh Lady Bird. and anyway he is just awesome and i thought uh yeah i'll, I'll come back I I, it's okay right i my husband is incredibly supportive and he knew the position i was in and, and when i left and um he knew what I wanted in a goal for my life and this was one of the goals i hadn't quite ticked off yet in 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 the way I wanted to take it off, which was being the stage manager from the start to the finish of the contract and, and having it be my baby and all, all my paperwork and being the support system for this amazing show. And I got hired in October. And this is kind of an example of how long things take. The show didn't start rehearsals until January. And I found a place to live in New York and I moved back to New York to be a part of the minutes. It rehearsed in Chicago, but then we went to New York City. But the Minutes was my official Broadway debut. I asked my friend Carolyn and I gave her name up to Jane, the PSM, um, to be our PA because I love working with her and she wanted an all-female team, um, which is, she's an amazing woman and she kind of um, reads the energy of what the room needs and yes. the room, the, the play itself has nine males and two females. And okay. so we just wanted um, to balance out the room with more females, uh, even in the management team. So um, she she loved Carolyn, loved her resume and hired her based on my recommendation. We work great together and, and there's no ego there in the sense of like, even if Carolyn's the PA and I miss something, she could tell me, but that's another topic. And you just have to be the role you're given. And that's what Carolyn did. And that's what I was doing prior to getting this job. And, and I yeah I moved back to, back to New York to be on Broadway and, and do the play we had our first preview February 25th and we did about 25 shows before the the show got closed down on March 12th March 15th was going to be our opening night so we were just three days out from opening so it's it's a bummer to have um then decided well I'm not going to stay in New York and do nothing during like a virus that's spreading and I miss my husband and my cat. So I'm going to go back to San Diego. And at that point, you know, it was only going to be a month. So I left things in my apartment that I was renting that I had someone have to go clean out for me. And anyway, at that point, I thought it was going back in just a month and it'll all be cool. And now it's just a few more months and a, maybe a few more, but the producers tell us that they're going to hold on to the, hold on to the coffers as tightly as possible and keep us all in. And we'll be back when Broadway comes back. And you know, it's definitely a bittersweet moment, but I got there and I did it. And did. Uh, I just loved being in the room. And I, I just was all of a sudden back doing, organizing the show and organizing the art of the minutes and being an assistant to all the actors and an assistant to this amazing director and, and Jane, who, who just believed in me so much that even though I moved to California, she's like, no, you're going to come back and do this show. It doesn't matter. <laughs> theater is everywhere and you can do it anywhere and um absolutely 
so it didn't matter that I moved and I got, then I got the call to come back. And so I did. And being flexible and being patient in this business is super important. So if you can hone those muscles, start now to be flexible and to be patient because, you know, you gotta be happen. Gotta be, you can't close the door all the way. Cause that's silly. There's no reason to close the door, even though I moved to California. And if when Broadway reopens, I'll go back. And in the meantime, I'll create my own work and create my own happiness and find the next thing I can be good at for our world today. That's great. And you'll be a star on the Hidden Stars of Theater. See, you never knew this was going to come about. It's good stuff. No, didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we love having you here. Now, listen, uh, your story is incredible, and we've learned so much already. Um, but there's always one thing, and everybody that watches this show knows it's Jamie's thing, and that is this. Um, why? What What about what you're doing uh, fills you with the passion to do it and to do the hustle? Because the hustle can be work. The hustle can 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 wear you down when you don't always have that next thing, and there's there's worry, and you know it's and and do I take this? Will I miss something else? And, and so in order to be at the level you are, first of all, I know some things about you from hearing your story. Number one, you're very good at what you do, or you wouldn't be, uh, Jane wouldn't keep calling you. You know, there's plenty of other people in New York. She didn't have to call San Diego and get you to, to come back. Yeah. Um, and and that you're, you're very good at what you do and that you are passionate about it. Um, you love something that's there that you do. And and so I'm interested um, as a as a stage manager, what is it that you're passionate about that gets you going, fuels you up? Um, I I believe you started already. I I just felt that I was finally good at something. I realized it in high school, and it kept it kept me going through college. And I I didn't. I didn't always feel like I was good at something. And, but this easy thing, it seems easy, like having a good memory or being organized and, and, and having my stuff together in order to support other people was actually a valuable tool that not a lot of people had. And, and then able to be able to harness it and use it as something I can do it for a career. It's like, if you live your passion or you work your passion, you're never working a day in your life, right? Well, okay, that's fine. Sometimes it is work or sometimes it's hard or frustrating, but I I was using my skills as just being me to create art and to support people's art. And it was bringing me a lot of joy to support other people and to kind of take care of, of a team and a show in a way that I kind of always wanted to feel taken care of. And if I wasn't going to be taken care of, I wanted to take care of other things and other people. And even when I was a birthday party coordinator, I was taking care of those kids' birthdays to have a great time. And I was, I'm taking care of, of fr friggin' Carrie Washington's mind. <laughs> and I'm taking care of, um, you know, Michael Greif's baby and Bruce Norris's baby. And I'm taking care of Jane's stress levels in order to, to make her a better stage manager. And in turn, it made me a better stage manager. And I think that passion of being able to use who I am in essence to, to make money, to make a living and to make art, it, 
on top of that, to, like I get to, on top of all of that part, I'm also making art that brings joy to a lot of other people too. I may not like the art all the time, but sometimes the art's amazing and, and it doesn't matter. It could be good art or bad art or, 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 or simple art or nothing. Just, just being able to be myself and work with other people, I realized as I was thinking about this question, that's really my passion. And I got so lucky that I didn't have to, I, I think sometimes, am I lazy that I didn't learn a better trade or that I didn't really dig deep into engineering or calculus or, or software engineering or like put my mind to a, to a, a trade, that's really the best word, or another vocation. And, and I think, well, that wasn't my path. And if that had been my path, or if I didn't get joy out of just being me or making paperwork, because there's a lot of paperwork and there's a lot of just making contacts and a lot of, oh, brother. Um, did you hear that? Did I say, oh, brother, and I completely- Yeah, you're good. No, you're good. You're in- And then it's distracting <laughs> that about it. Um, I didn't, I just, I didn't realize that the passion was being able to just use my own skills to help and data entry can be boring for some people, but I kind of like it. There's some Zen in it. And there's just all these parts of this piece, parts of the puzzle to be a stage manager. And I get to use all of them and hone new things. And I, I hope that I answered something about, about it because it just- You nailed it. Was, no, you nailed it. Listen, here's the deal. I don't know. Sometimes it burns brighter than others. Other times. Um, <laughs> and that's true about everything in life. Yeah. Um, but but the truth is you love to serve I, i've heard you use this phrase several times you love to serve the show yeah and that's it you um you are very much a servant at heart and love to do the things that people don't see that if we didn't have you and all of the shays in in our world then the shows would fall apart I mean, that's the reality. I, as an actor, will admit there's times I am super flighty. And yeah. if I didn't have my stage managers, or even when I'm directing, uh, to keep me honest and to be my second brain, then these shows would never happen. Um, and so I love that you love that because we love you for it and we couldn't do what we do without oh, you. Thanks. That's reality. Yeah. Uh, and that's the beauty of this whole theater thing. And that's why I love this show because we're seeing, we're showing people some of those parts that they never see. And there's a lot of people who want to be involved in theater, but they think, well, I don't dance, I don't sing, I don't act. So what? You do something, and I guarantee you, whatever you love doing, there's a place in theater for you. Hmm. Whatever yeah. it is. Whatever it is. Find it. Find your spot on the stage, whether it's in the lights or behind the lights or running the lights. And, and do it. Help, help make it happen. I, yeah. I agree. And every part is needed. Every, you can't, you can't do a without B and that person can't do this without you. And I, I agree. Everyone is desperately needed to do our jobs in a great way to be successful. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I, I, and I've, I think I've said this before on here. It's like, uh, it's like a great painting. You take out one color and the whole painting is not as good. Mm-hmm. Um, one brush stroke and it changes it all. Yeah. And so it takes us all. Absolutely. Well, Shay, thank you. Um, you are incredible. Thank you for coming here and hanging out with us and letting us get to know you and through your story. 
be better at, at, uh, at just being people and, and, and our knowledge level of, of just this whole thing we call theater is expanded and our mind is blown. This, oh, good. I'm so glad. I want to say that if anyone is curious about another section that we didn't actually get to talk about, or I realized I probably missed a bunch, then I'm here. I am happy to be a resource for anyone who's interested or has questions and, and um, get my information from the teachers and Jamie, and I'm happy to help young people figure out what they want to do or answer silly questions about like, what's it like living on a bus? With the <laughs> like, or on, on a boat, you could do a Dr. Seuss book. Yeah, <laughs> bus. yeah for sure. and like broad regional theaters, your community theaters, I promise you it's no different than Broadway. The only yeah. difference is money. And, and, and that's, there's a lot of it in New York, but that doesn't mean your, your productions aren't just as awesome and they are run the exact same way. Everything is almost run the, it's amazing how the running of theater and every department is, it's the same when I got, even my husband's like, oh yeah, when he finally made his Broadway, he says, I, this is the same as the tour. I'm like, yeah, uh -huh. it's, awesome. it's just, it's, it's a great way to, to think that your productions are just as well managed and well thought of and 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 loved as much as any other show on broadway so yeah and your audiences are just as moved yeah exactly well we've got one thing left and that oh. is the wall of wisdom oh okay so it is your turn to drop a knowledge bomb on us that's going to go on the wall right here with everyone else's quote Okay. And so I kind of like to say, you know, think back, if you could think back um, to young Shay getting started, if you could give a kind of one snippet, one tweet of advice, what would it be? Um, I know what it'll be because I've said it already a few times and it's show your worth. You know, you show them what you're made of, then they'll be around and you, you know, you make yourself indispensable to that team to that company and to that show and they'll hold on to you really tightly they will not want you to go and they're going to want you to show your worth and keep bringing all that goodness to every production so show your worth all right i'm going to put that down and it will be up here okay until my trailer falls apart <laughs> that's awesome hopefully that you know that won't be soon but the, the staying up there for a long time part is awesome all right, very good. Well, it's dry here. We're running out of space up on our uh, Gateway Mortgage Company. Yeah. We're going to fit you, you right in here by your friends, Renee. Awesome. Yes, my, fr my friend Renee. And, uh, Savannah. You know Savannah Bell? Savannah I is awesome. You should get to know Savannah. She's good. You know Mike. I know of Mike him. You know of Mike. I know of Mike through Renee. He's, through my he's like a legend. Yeah, <laughs> we love Mike. We love them all. And we love you. And we thank you. You're part of our family now. And uh, it has been so good. So um, just once again, uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we have a tradition here. And that is because we know that you don't get to go out and take a curtain call in the shows, but you deserve it. You deserve it. So I'm going to represent I am representative of all of the fans of theater everywhere in the world. And they, so when I clap, hear all of their thunderous applause. And this is for you. This is well-deserved. So, yay. Yay. Um, and, and honestly, you know, that 
you deserve much more than that. But thank you for being a star and being our star and being here. It's my pleasure. Thank you, guys. Good luck out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, everyone. Well, that is our show for today. Um, hope you enjoyed it. I know you did. Be sure to subscribe, to like, and uh, you didn't see, uh, you gave a free ad to your show that's going on right now. Did you realize that? Hey. There you go. <laughs> Sweet. All righty. Well, guys, thank you. We will see you all next time right here on the Hidden Stars of Theater. Love you. Be good and make some art. Bye.